Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name is David Reed, and joining me, as ever, is Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek. Hello, David. How are you doing? Hello, world. Hello, world. <coughs> Those of you who are listening. I'm enjoying a combination of a Diet Coke and a coffee at the same time. Are you doing alternate sips? Oh, pretty much, yeah. Marek's very demanding with his caffeinated drinks. I often have to get him both. A very difficult guest. When I arrive around David's house to do the podcast, he probably a feeling of dread. No, no, dread. it's you know, it's disgust, it's mild disgust. It's just nice to be able to uh, prepare uh, refreshments for somebody, isn't it? What's that thing to they host? Put, they put uh, annoyingly. They describe what's in the film on the card, like the mild peril. Oh yeah, yeah. I love mild peril. It's like. Oh, I don't know if I'm in the mood for mild peril. What is mild peril? Sort of leaving the house when you might need the toilet? Yeah, or uh, realising your foot has gone over the yellow line in, on the underground. Go, oh. Yeah, your, your fly is half undone on a, on, a, on a roller coaster. That's right, I mean, it could just all fly off at the end. Is that mild peril or serious peril? I mean, that's pretty serious peril, isn't it? Your fly is a quarter undone on a roller coaster. Yeah. Mild peril. A s- a uh, tuna wrap is a day out of date. That's good. Someone's pissed on your gravy. <laughs> no, I mean, that's just that's just an insult. Is that peril? I mean, there's no there's no chance you're still going to eat the gravy, is it? Yeah, you've got a cat allergy. Yeah, and you go and see the musical Cats. Who knows? They might have used cat hair in something. That is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And you'd probably be a bit anxious all the way through. I think a lot of people probably get allergies after watching cats. Probably, or some kind of allergy. Imagine, because there didn't used to be cat allergies, did there, in, about 20 years ago? No, we just had dead people. Yeah. <laughs> I studied the musical Cats for an entire year. What, um, were you on drugs or something? When I was 10 years old, in RE lessons. <laughs> what? The teacher made you do it? Yeah. I was just because at RE you get the shit teachers who aren't really probably. I mean, no offence, but the least qualified teachers. Yeah, I studied it for a year. I've never seen it. <laughs> we did some weird stuff. Uh, uh, we, we had to try my mid, my uh, middle school. We had to all play um, David Bowie's Ground Control to Major Tom on different instruments like the triangle. Right. It was quite cool in retrospect, but yeah, we, yeah. Thought, we just thought. What's going on? And our teacher's probably thinking, well, I'm going to make the kids really cool. Yeah. Is there a lot of triangle in um, 
That's, it would it would play Plain certain. Silence. I remember. I think I was on the triangle, so it was ding ground control, control to me. Did the teacher sing? Um, or was it a sort of creepy children's I choir? I can't remember that bit. All I, I think I was focusing so much on the ting bits because the that, ting bits, yeah, that was crucial to setting, <laughs> setting up the space atmosphere. Ting. Oh, it reminds me of um, well, I suppose sort of being at war with yourself, Japan. <laughs> that's, a, that's an excellent segue. That's absolutely excellent. Um, it reminds you, me of around nine to see a film. <laughs> Similar to that, I think so. That might have been why I. Oh, I'm getting confused. Oh right. I thought it was my own memory, but it turned out I, the film was so realistic. Right. That I thought I was actually um, an American uh, soldier at war with the Japanese, fighting against the Japanese. So this is Hacksaw Ridge. Yes. If uh, listeners haven't cottoned on yet, um, what is the basic premise of this? People are saying it's good. Well, Hacksaw Ridge is the story of this. Um, it starts off with the, up- the upbringing of this bloke called Desmond uh, Doss, who was a conscientious objector. Right. Or didn't agree to the bearing of arms. This is one of his fundamental principles um, because he lived in a. It was brought up with, with domestically abused, and his dad had sort of problems right um so he fundamentally uh, disagreed with uh, uh the bearing of any arms or any sort of uh killing of people but he still signed up because he felt that it was his duty right so he had to go through this training camp but he refused to uh hold a rifle and do any rifle training very high maintenance soldier wasn't he yeah and then he got sent out as a medic right so he was the only medic who didn't carry a, a, a rifle um, and it's a true. It's based on a true story of uh, when he went to. Uh, he served in the Battle of Okinawa. Oh yeah. And he was the first. I'm just reading stuff from IMDb. The first man in American American history to receive the Med- Medal of Honor without firing a shot. Uh, and the film is basically is about his story. Really. Okay. Who plays him? He's played. By Andrew Garfield. He's in a lot of stuff at the moment. We're going through a weird. I'm going through a weird phase where it's basically just every film is linked by an actor, and so Silence I saw recently. Yeah. And he plays Andrew Garfield is the master of this sort of quiet, sincere, very overly sincere uh, person. You know. Yeah, yeah. Gentle. He's quite good at playing slightly um, neurotic as well. Quietly neurotic. Yeah, he plays his very... He's, he's a go-to... He is this gentle, sensitive soul of Hollywood. Now, this is directed by Mel Gibson, who uh, everyone hates nowadays. Yes. But... And he's not really... Res- he's lost... Everyone's lost respect for him. I want to first talk about Apocalypto. Have you seen Apocalypto? I haven't seen Apocalypto. I, I saw the hilarious trailer... Have you heard about the trailer for Apocalypse? I think no. I may have mentioned this on the. Um, <clears throat> he put in a subliminal frame into Apocalypto's trailer, you know, where it's just a single frame. So, in in, in a trailer that's all jump cuts of da 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 da, yeah. you, you wouldn't notice it, but somebody slowed it down and found it. Apocalypto's about um, uh, tribesmen. Is it South America? Yeah. Um, anyway, there's one shot. It's quite creepy and cool. Of load of people in white clay, like in a cave, oh, standing yes, in a line. One. Anyway, there's apparently 
a subliminal frame of it moves sideways and Mel Gibson's there with his arm round one with a big cigar smiling into the camera. Oh, really? Yeah. Right. Anyway, Absolutely. that's all I know about Apocalypto. Uh, Apocalypto, I mean, it got sort of, it's basically the end of the uh, Mayan kingdom and, and this, new, and this um, bloke who's in this tribe gets taken over and they all get sent off to be sacrificed. It's just a sort right. of... I think it's absolutely brilliant. I, as a, as an action, as a weird action thrilling drama, yeah. it's so underrated. Apocalypto, and a lot of people got on its back by saying, "Oh, it's a bit racist towards the Mayans." But I mean, there aren't any Mayans left to get. It's like saying, "All oh, right, so fuck those guys." <laughs> but you get, I get to the point. Gets to the point. You think, Do you know what? It's just a Mel Gibson thriller. It's not like saying, "Oh." Jurassic Park, the, the, the Tyrannosaurus Rexes are really get a bad, <laughs> bad rep in that. I mean, they made them out to be mindless savages. There were a lot of them were just like playing chess and picking daisies, but just because one or two of them sure? went around killing people, they'd eat. everyone talks about Tyrannosaurus Rexes as arseholes. They'd eat a Diplodocus every now and again, but most of the time they're chilling out. Yeah. Yeah. They were p- policing the area, making sure, you know, no other predators came exactly. in. Exactly. Well, I loved Apocalypto, and I think uh, Mel Gibson um, is a good director, but this, I thought this had really weird casting issues. Okay. And I spoke to someone, um, uh, my f- uh, a friend who came to see my Edinburgh show, and he bought me tickets to cinema, Mark Bell. Yes. He uh, recommended this to me, and he said it was quite good. Up until when Vince Vaughn comes into it. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> and Vince he was Vaughan. hit 100% right. So you're watching the story and you think, oh, <coughs> I'm, I'm quite... It's one of those films you think they're setting the groundwork, you know. Yeah. He's growing up, he's he's becoming a hero, his values. Then he goes to this training camp. And it's just, I think, a really shit version of... The full metal jacket training, right, right? Which I know is a different war, you know, but that is absolutely brilliant. That. I, mean, I mean, it's now the it's now the template for everybody's war film, isn't yeah. it? And it's like we've seen it, and you're not going to top it. it. That might be what it's like closely, but find find your own details. And even the introduction. So he walks it. You know when they how they introduce characters in who are going to be in your troop. Yes. And it's always really shit. This is one of the shittest examples of, hey, hey, new guy. Hey, there's Fonzo. He likes, he's Italian and likes to smoke. <laughs> there's small Giuseppe. There's Tex. The Tex. And they all just, turn, they all stop what they're doing. They're all just turning around and going, hi, I'm hey. just And it's not, you're, it's, you know, it's show rather than tell. Yeah, absolutely. But this is a really bad example of, it's just, yeah, and, and they all have to have their own distinct thing so you remember them. Yeah. Like, There's Tex, he's a Texan. There's Pete, he's a Texan. Oh, he can't come. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's not coming. Uh, there's a guy who plays cards. <laughs> there's a guy who does art or something weird. There's, there's the a guy who dresses guy. as a chicken. <laughs> it's all stuff. Oh, that guy's got glasses. He's the intelligent. You know, it's just all yeah. that bullshit. And then Vince Vaughn comes in as the army officer trainer and you think... And I understand why people hate Vince Vaughn. It's fully deserved. You know what? He was he was a funny actor when he was a bit younger in Swingers and stuff. The stuff he did with um, uh, well, it's just Swingers. That's the only good. No, thing there he was does, another isn't it? one. There was another one um, with uh, fuck. What's his name? 
Um, who went on to do Iron Man and shit. John Favreau. Yeah. Um, you know, he was sort of John Favreau's hype man. You know, he was the he was the humorous one. But everything I've seen him in in the last fifteen years or so, he seems to be playing the actor Vince Vaughn, who's pissed off to be employed. You know? Do you know what I mean? He I just don't know looks why like Mel- he's uh, fucking grumpy to be there. Well, this one he was play- He's trying to play. I mean, Full Metal Jacket is a classic example. It was um, the guy who plays the. Uh, he always plays the military officer, and he's brilliant. He's uh, Arlie Ermey, his name is. Right. He's basically the army officer who was, I think, in the military in Full Metal Jacket, who is absolutely brilliant in that role. Yeah. You know, he makes that film. Oh, the drill sergeant? Yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's a famous story, isn't it, that they got him in as a consultant, and none of the actors were... Uh, they were casting for that role. Oh, really? Doing, no, and, he, and he just did it, like... Uh, sort of ten minutes of screaming insults without taking a breath, seemingly into someone's face, and just like just use him. <laughs> just and there's a the version where Vince Vaughn does that, and it's so shit. Yeah, it's just shit. It's just you know, sorry for this language, but just fuck off and get. Why did you not get someone good in? It's a really good part. I've noticed from the IMDb page, Sam Worthington is in this film. Yes, uh, oh, and that's another. Uh, uh, he's the guy. Um, He's the guy from Avatar who... Yeah, and he... You know what, he's... I think he's Australian, isn't he, Sam Worthington? And he's an... Oh, that as the point. So he was in it, and then Sam Worthington plays... Oh, he's English. Oh, he plays someone a bit higher up in the army. And then you just think, well, you're the wrong. This is totally miscast as well, because you're playing a role that maybe a 40 or 50-year-old should be playing. Yeah. And you haven't got that He's odd. Charisma. Sam Worthington's odd because I don't. I don't think he's without talent. I think he's. I think he's good he, at the Avatar. He's all roles, right, but, but that's it. He's. He was announced as being an Avatar, um, which everyone knew was going to be absolutely huge even before they'd seen it, and so they. Everyone else cast him in everything, uh, in the Wrath of the Titans films and in everything they could in a li- little thrillers, Man on the Ledge and stuff like that, and so he had a career before the first. <laughs> big thing came out yeah. he, he was the new Orlando Bloom in that way and we're still reaping the, the, yeah. the fallout of that that he's still you know considered box office even though he's slightly boring um, well I, I just think that um, the casting was bad I'm not a big fan of Andrew Garford actually are you not? no I, I'm not a big fan of Vince Vaughn or of Sam Worthington mm. and they're all in key roles and I think this could have been an interesting story if you had, you would have had more that whole bit of liking the characters would have been far more powerful if they had a better cast. Anyway, the point is, is I I give this six Mavericks. Okay, it's just a sort of standard basic war uh, biopic a cross between Forrest Gump and uh, a Full Metal Jacket. Both of which are far superior films. Okay, I think Forrest got part of Forrest Gump is actually based on this character because what he did was quite. Oh, really? What uh, Donald Dross or Desmond Dross? Desmond um, Desmond T. Doss did was quite famous. If you go to Desmond T. Doss' Wikipedia page and read, this is just one of the things that he did. Um, and he was sort of God God fit or God loving man, which is why his motivation for doing something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, if he didn't like God, you'd have to be mentally ill. <laughs> And he was exceptionally lucky. But what he did, I won't give it because it's just spo- spoilers. Probably yeah, spoilers. Yeah. It is absolutely incredible. So it's worth okay. looking on his Wikipedia page to see feats of 
outstanding bravery. bravery. Yeah. So th- I think it's good that he's celebrated, but I don't know. I, I think it's got nice for the Oscars because it's an yeah. American war hero. Best picture. Best actor for Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Best director for Mel Gibson. Yeah. And best editing, I think. Yeah. I have started to see a few of the Oscar nominees now. Yeah. Um, I don't... More and more of the time, I think the list for the best foreign language film is better than the best... And I think it's not fair because it's not the best films that are getting nominated because the best films often in the best foreign language category not yeah it's they should call it best american film people are saying that uh, paul verhoven's l should have been in uh, you know best picture or best foreign language and isn't in either really weirdly but i i really want to see it it looks fascinating yeah it's being trailed a lot so yeah. i've seen Manchester by the sea now oh what did you think i thought it was great i mean that one scene's absolutely yeah, it is, isn't it it is a really short scene i think it's very good Maybe I think it probably does deserve it. I, I'm and hell, hell or high waters in there as well. Yeah, I'm very surprised that's Oscar yeah. nominated. I just I'm, I'm losing faith in the Oscar nominations list. But anyway, back to Hacksaw Ridge. It's just a film that's been done before, and every scene's been done better before. Right. And I mean the fighting scenes. I, I was watching them. I mean, they're quite horrific. It's a bit like the whole, um, what's it called? The Tom Hanks one, when the famous one, when he, Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. Where the first yeah, time yeah. you saw them all coming, landing on the beaches, it was just shockingly brutal seeing people blown to... I mean, it, it they'd gone further than we'd seen before in terms of this is your introduction to their world. Plus they were doing things with... CGI that we hadn't seen before either. I mean, it, it is a piece of cinema history that opener, isn't it? And this is very similar to that, really. You're, right. going, to, you're going to see some graphic war violence. And I was watching it, and I just thought, you know what? I'm 40. I've seen this, and I don't. There's no enjoyment. I don't find any. I, I think the shock value of when you see something from the first time, you think that. Okay, that's what horror of the mass experience. Yeah, and yeah. same Private Ryan, that moment you think you just think it was just total chaos from silence yeah. to just everyone being blown and just carnage. And they, I- they they invented, I think, or certainly they popularised that thing of a bomb going off nearby, um, or a shell landing rather, and getting the all you can hear is everything's muted and you hear the ringing of your ears. And now everyone does that when uh, when an explosion happens nearby because yeah. it's very affecting. You're you're in the head of the protagonist rather than you know just watching it with yeah. your popcorn. Um, but everyone does that now, don't they? Yeah, you? but it's, it's it's not enjoyable. It's not enjoyable to watch people being blown to shit, really violent, you know, yeah, yeah. really horrible deaths. And I just think, well, I've seen it, and I'm not particularly. I can see that the the, te- the technical ability mm. in doing this is amazing, but I, it's not something that I really... Do you want to come to cinema? We're going to see. Oh, we're going to see lots of young people just get really... Bru- like their faces blown up, guts coming... Really just... Bodies just ripped apart uh, at random. Yeah, great. Brilliant. How much is that? £15. <laughs> <laughs> it's not something I, I, that... 
is enjoyable. And I, the I mean, if everyone in the cinema pulled their 15 quids, they could probably pay somebody to murder someone for real. Give them a Chinese burn, at least. <laughs> at the very least. I give you 100 quid to give that man a Chinese burn. But it, <laughs> the problem was, I didn't even know which characters were getting... Because they're all exactly the same, these yeah, characters. Yeah. Like, text. I'm, I'm making up names for these. Uh, his sort of group of people. I didn't give a, sh- a shit, you know, who dies. Yeah. And for some reason, Vince Vaughn's there as well. And you think, I'll oh, get him. <laughs> get him. Maybe, maybe that's what it's about. It's just, you know... The, get Vince Vaughn. The ghoulish uh, fetishising of extreme violence and the... Uh, Killing of actors you don't like. I would go and watch that 101 Deaths of Vince Vaughn. <laughs> that would win the Oscar, though. That's so what happens is... Very bold piece. A a scientist clones Vince Vaughn yeah. 100 times. So he can kill him. And then he goes and kills <laughs> And he's only allowed to use a different technique. It's like Brewster's Millions, but with murdering Vince Vaughn. Like he's got to kill all hundred Vince Vaughns in different ways yeah. before midnight in order to inherit um, a, a book token for Waterstones, a five pound book token <laughs> for Waterstones, and a ten percent off at Wagamama's. Oh, I mean, it would be worth it, wouldn't it? Ten percent off. All I know. Right, Is that for life or just once? No, because the voucher runs out. Okay, uh, and you have to set a stamp uh, each. Stamp is is Vince Vaughan's bloody fingerprint. Sure. And all the fingerprints are different, so they're going to be... They know at Wagamama's. They're good at fingerprinting at Wagamama's. That'd be good, 101... I mean, I expect a lot of Hollywood directors listen to this for inspiration. Probably. Probably. I mean, I've not seen any of them come out, but it takes a long time to make a film, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I've banged on quite a lot. Six Mareks. Six Mareks for Hacksaw Ridge. All right. I think it's time for this. Okay, this is a letter from Tom Crowley about Bone Tomahawk. Hi, David Marrick and Buddy and the subplot dog next door. My girlfriend and I watched Bone Tomahawk the other night and utterly adored it, so thanks for your recommendation. Brilliant to see Kurt Russell moving into the old cowboy phase of his career. Long may it last. And good Christ, Richard Jenkins is good. That is... That is not fair. It is not fair how good he is at acting. I thought it was especially amazing how well the film shifts from being a band of misfits western into proper chilling horror. However, there was one moment, and anyone who's seen it will know the bit I mean, which was really, truly, disgustingly horrific. I couldn't decide whether it was too much or not. I've ultimately decided it was just right, as it scared the shit out of me, and I'll remember it until the day I die. But have you guys ever felt like a moment of violence took you out of a film rather than involved you in it more deeply? Keep watching the films, Tom Crowley. Yes, Bone Tomahawk, cannot recommend it highly enough. Um, It... It is uh, not for everyone because the the moment Tom's talking about, I've, I've seen it. You've now. seen it. You've seen it. I mean, firstly, let's we'll get onto that moment in a bit. Richard Jenkins. Why well, you don't even recognise? What's yeah. great about him is you don't even, and he's playing quite a different. It's quite nice to see someone play a character that's really refreshing and different and yeah. quite comic, but really comic, but subtly comic. Like yeah. he's basically on paper, uh, you know, a lesser actor would just go, "He's just an idiot." Our player is a simpleton. He's just an idiot. It's just like, no, he is a very layered character who just happens to not be very bright. Oh, he's quite uh, wise though. Yeah, in his own ways. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but he just he he he's not cool. 
either, and that's what's sort of wonderful. He's absolutely brilliant, and um, I thought um, an actor I've not knowingly seen in anything, who's uh, one of the main guys from Lost. Um, oh yes, he was great. He was brilliant in it as well. Yeah, he, and he playing. Uh, I think someone else emailed us about this, playing an evil uh, sort of not totally, but. A troubled man. An interesting character. Yeah, yeah. Because they're, they're all f- uh, flawed, flawed characters. But so Tom's absolutely right. The first half is... Matthew Fox. That's it, Matthew Fox. The first half is a... Uh, is basically a character study uh, gang of misfits western, and then it goes into horror, but horror that's packed so much more punch because you care about these people so much because you've spent so much time with It's excellent. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was and it stayed good. with me. That moment, though, that we're talking about, like, I, 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 I think it really works, but it shocked me. It what? seriously shocked me. I was surprised. This is a bit spoiled. I thought one of the characters didn't react enough. Okay, to yeah, it. I know what you're saying. Because I think if you'd have seen that, then you would have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, they some. They seem less traumatised than I was by it. Yes. And they're seeing it... Uh, but anyway, uh, that's enough. I think we're much Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch Bone Tomahawk, unless you don't like violence, in which case, under no circumstances, watch Bone Tomahawk. Or watch the first half. That would be all right for you. I think um, I, I'm worried that... I'm just going for emails. I'm worried that we might have been read the email out before. I don't believe we have. Oh, yeah, oh, I've missed it. Have you have you fucked up our filing system, Mary? Uh, the filing system is very um, lax, so I apologise to people who we have missed the occasional well, email. Well, we didn't actually answer Tom's question, which is, has there been any moment of violence that takes you out of a film? Well, that's quite interesting, talking in. about Hacksaw Ridge. Yes. I felt, I've seen enough of this now, mm. and I don't want, it's not helping my enjoyment of the film and it's just yeah. I know what the point is and it's now it just seems to the point where it's just getting I know it's a horrific thing it's gratuitous but I don't need to see half an hour of it to, to tell me that but Mel Gibson seemed to have made that his thing hasn't he yeah after the success of Passion of the Christ mm-hmm. but anyway um, who else has written in uh, Ben Golding has written in do you want to do a read sure Afternoon, chaps. Just to say that I really enjoy the podcast. I can't say that I was there at the start, or indeed that I went back and listened to all the ones from the Absolute Radio days, but I have been listening regularly for a good while now. Ones I particularly enjoyed, I think it was the one around episode 100, when you watched some silent films for the first time and were spellbound. Your sense of wonder really came across in the discussions. Also, the Ben Stiller-Walter Mitty one, where Marek was just furious. (laughs) I remember that. Very old discussion that I meant to join in with. Awkward films to watch on a plane. The most awkward one I've seen on a plane was The Look of Love. Steve Coogan starring in the biopic of a Soho porn baron. The Soho porn baron, really. I saw Coogan and in my head assumed it would be Alan Partridge. Miles Jock turned up briefly at the start too. It was actually quite a depressing tale, punctuated with loads of bare breasts. As I said, awkward on a plane. Hunt for the Wilder People was ace, you were right. Another couple of films I've managed to see, Parenthood Doesn't Lend Itself to Cinema Trips, Tickled, a New Zealand documentary. A TV journalist does a small feature about the world of competitive endurance tickling, and it gets weirder from there. (laughs) Sounds good. Uh, Le Combattant, 
French, so Marek might like it, a sort of rom-com, though centred around an army recruitment drive. I remember laughing a good few times. Also, did you ever see Inner World? That was a genuinely good offbeat rom-com. I'm not sure what my film selections say about me. Nothing bad, I'm sure. Oh, and finally, someone recommended Kings of Summer recently. I second that. It's far funnier than a coming-of-age film has any right to be. Keep watching the films. Ben. P.S. I have no accent. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Um, We will add those films to our ongoing list that we have now compiled. You'll be pleased to hear. And we will be going through your recommendations uh, and... Telling, telling everyone which one of you are fucking idiots and which ones have hey, real taste. Hey, um, Davey! Uh, no, it'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. But we'll get on to that um, next week or in a couple of weeks. Um, next week, I think, we'll start on that. Uh, another quick one? Yeah, sure. From Darren Rogers. Subject, Dan Owen Kuzak. Hi, guys. Just wanted to say thank you for recommending Love and Mercy, the biopic of Brian Wilson. As someone that is not a fan of the Beach Boys, this film would have probably passed me by. I have to recommend this film to anyone that likes films as much as I do. It was outstanding. I know you've seen the praises of Paul Dano, but I found John Cusack to be on the same level. What Dano films have you seen that make you love his work so much? What am I missing? Keep watching Marek's YouTube channel. That's right, Darren. <laughs> as John Cusack ages, ages, he seems to be morphing facially into Nick Cage. It's true. Or is it me that just sees this? No, it's absolutely true. And they were in a film together uh, fairly recently. Uh, that I watched, in fact. Um, he's also starting to act like Nick Cage. If you saw him playing Edgar Allan Poe as a detective in a terrible film, The Raven, I think it's called. Oh, yeah, I think he's, I saw bits of He's that. trying to be sort of Nick Cagey out there, sort of, is he on drugs? Is he just strange? And it, it didn't quite work. I remember watching but, um, John Cusack in Better Off Dead when I was a teenager thinking, I want to be... John Cusack. He's fucking brilliant. Yeah, he's great. I mean, um, he, did, he had a little purple patch, didn't he? Um, what, in his hair? Yeah. Right. He's removed. He's had it removed. Oh, good. What Paul Dano films do we uh, make you think is so great? Swiss Army Man, Youth, um, what, um, Prisoners. Little Miss Sunshine, uh, There Will Be Blood being the obvious ones. He doesn't... Um, I, I like the fact he chooses to play difficult characters. Yeah. He plays a lot of weirdos, but I think he makes some good choices. But he's. We talked about a couple of weeks ago about actors who are signs of a good film. Mm. He's normally a sign of an interesting... I mean, he's got interesting film. taste. So, yeah, there are people who you go, you're really talented, but you have no taste. You keep yeah. doing shit things. Yeah. Um, yeah, whereas he, he, at least you go, oh, he's decided to do it. Well, that's interesting. I'll have a look. Uh, Buddy's just made himself a nest amongst Marek's jacket. So yeah. That's nice. Um, any more this week or is that enough? Uh, there's some I'm, I'm realising that I've read read some uh, some of these before uh, this we, is we the one about West Side Story before didn't yeah we? that's right this is the uh, Let's do poster one. for The Frozen Ground which Nicolas Cage and John Cusack were in together that I mentioned before and uh, oh, they are starting to look like each yeah, other yeah yeah okay let's just do one more I think because we've got a few here this is from uh, Ben Grubb Ben Grubb says, Dear David Marrick and Buddy, Happy New Year and what a start it's been. It's already, I mean, we're in February now, so we're about two, two, three weeks behind. I've just listened to your review of A Monster Calls and was very glad to hear that you enjoyed it as much as I did and had exactly the same tear-jerking experience as me, although anyone that doesn't must be dead inside. 
I don't have a huge amount to add to your review, which was pretty well spot on, I, uh, I thought, but felt compelled to write to you anyway. I, like David, didn't know much about the film before going to see it, other than seeing the trailer before Rogue One. From the trailer, it did feel very much like an, albeit quite dark, kids film, where the child protagonist befriends a mythical creature, and they end up helping each other. I even joked to my wife that I was going to take our three-year-old son to see it. I'm very glad I didn't. The scene where, potential spoiler, the grandmother is watching the tapes of Connor painting with his mum, and age five was what did it for me. Even thinking bad about it now is making me choke up. Potential spoiler over. Um, that Without context, that'll mean nothing to you. I thought visual, uh, uh, visually the cinematography and the animation were both stunning. I loved how dramatic yet muted the British countryside where Connor lived looked, and it juxtaposed so well against the vibrant, colourful and textured look of the animation sequences. The performances were all superb. I was braced for a slightly ropey English accent from Sigourney Weaver, but it never came, and Liam Neeson was a good fit for the voice of the tree monster. Lewis McGonagall really carried the film incredibly well, with very convincing and powerful performances, especially from someone so young. I couldn't really decide by the end if the tree monster was actually friends with Connor or not. He certainly uses the tough love approach, which is probably what Connor needed. In some ways, that actually fits in perfectly with the tales which the tree monster tells about how things aren't always what they seem. After the heights of Deadpool, my love of Marvel films has really waned now, and I'm crying out for more original and emotional films like A Monster Calls in the future. 2017 has its work cut out. Sorry for the ramble. Keep watching the films. Um, I mean, I, I parrot what Ben said. A Monster Calls is the best thing I've seen in recent times, and you really should see it. Well, um, recommendations. There we go. Um as we've already mentioned this week, and we've mentioned in previous weeks, we have started compiling a list of recommended films that our listeners have suggested that we will, one by one, get through, watch them, and then share the good ones with you. So um, that really is my favourite bit of this show. So if you have anything that we've not mentioned, you don't think we've seen, and you absolutely love, then let us know. You can go to our website, filmfandango.com, and write to us from there. Film recommendations or anything else you would like us to discuss on the programme. And also, if you think, oh, I've really enjoyed this podcast, I really want to help them make more, why not donate £1 million on the button there? The donate button is also on filmfandango.com. £1 pounds, or alternatively, £1. Pound. £1, pound, But, but yeah. you will feel a lot better about yourself Yes. if you donate a million pounds. That's right. Well, I have seen a film, Marek. I mentioned last week that I was, straight after the podcast, or eight hours later, was going to the Pitch House Central for 2am in the morning to watch Woody Harrelson, in his directorial debut, attempt a single-take, live-streamed-to-cinemas feature-length film. So, it was called Lost in London, and it's... Vaguely autobiographical. If my memory serves, I think the titles that come up first in the film are Too Much of This is True. (laughs) So it's sort of an embarrassing story of how he was over here, I think in 2005, and ended up getting into sort of a farcical late night uh, chase with uh, trouble with the police and all sorts of stuff. Um, And so uh, that he plays himself. And there's a uh, an actress um, who is excellent playing his wife. 
Um, I will look her name up now. So it it but, was just screened in one cinema or all oh, loads of cinemas? Loads. The reason I think he's chosen to do it at 2am in the morning, it finished around 4am in the morning. Um, AM in the morning, what am I saying that for? <laughs> I think the reason is that that was a reasonable time uh, to screen it in both East and West Coast in America. Oh, so we got the bum deal of having to see it at the actual time it was being filmed. So it, uh, the Pitch House Central in London was the only British cinema it was shown in, uh, but it was shown all over the world. And was it packed? And, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely packed. Um, and so basically, he is here for some promotional thing. Uh, he's there with his young family and his wife, um, and and his wife is played by uh, Eleanor Matsura. She's excellent, and. The tabloids break that he was in a three-in-a-bed sex romp with some uh, some prostitutes, I think, or young girls, whatever. And he gets into a fight with his wife and she runs off back to the hotel whilst he's being dragged off to a club with uh, some Saudi princes. And he only later realises she's got his wallet and keys and everything. Classic. And, and that's the beginning of it. Um he bumps into his best friend Owen Wilson in the club as well, and they have a they have a conversation where Owen Wilson reveals, yeah, he's Woody Harrelson's best friend, but Owen Wilson's best friend is Wes Anderson, and they end up having a fist fight over it. So, uh, um, is, was it? Did it? Was the acting good? Was it? Or did it work? What? Tell it, us. It, it was. It was genuinely tense at the beginning because they they were doing a sort of hype uh, almost documentary feature before it started to get you into it and to show so behind the scenes of them rehearsing and uh, oh, okay. talking to camera about what it was like and the sound wasn't on for that bit so everyone in the auditorium was like shit is this going to be oh, a really? complete wow. fuck up anyway the sound came on shortly after and it it was really good like it was funny um, and I tell you who uh, Woody Harrelson was brilliant. Like yeah. not a single beat drop. The only slight thing glitches were uh, some people hitting their microphones accidentally yeah. once or twice. Yeah. But that just added to the fact it was proved it was live. And a couple of moments where you go, that could have been better lit, but they were outside. So what the fuck were they going to yeah. do? Um, and it flows beautifully from building to taxi to building to, you know, he gets arrested, thrown into the cells. They managed a dream sequence where the uh, country and western uh, singer Willie Nelson appears to Woody to sort of give him sage advice. And then when the camera turns around again, he's gone. And all of this stuff, I tell you, who really came up in my estimations as well is Owen Wilson. Oh, really? Like, for, for a single take thing, you would just go, that would be in a finished film. Whereas everything else felt slightly like it's rough around the edges, which is a good thing. But his performance was fucking funny and really slick. The script's excellent as well. Like, wow. really good. It was really, really fun. And everyone, was it that a universal opinion? Yeah, yeah. People left happy, even though they have to stay up till 2am. And you know London, it isn't a 24-hour city. Yeah. Like, from the point the pubs close around 11, 12 if you're lucky, you know, till 1am, people have nothing to do. Uber? Um, uh, I I walked home, I think. But, Davey. 4am. Um, <laughs> no, night bus. I got the night bus. But, um... 
I tell you a funny thing though. Uh, the following day, when I was feeling a bit jet lagged, um, I went for a walk in Regent's Park with Buddy, and uh, whilst pausing to have a coffee and the cafe there that on the top of a hill, um, who should pop his head into the cafe on his bicycle but Owen Wilson? Wow! <laughs> yeah, he was there just for the day, just you know cycling around. Wow! Yeah, it was quite cool. But no, genuinely, it was like. What a brave thing to do as your directorial debut, you know, like if it had gone wrong, that's it. There's nothing you can do, you know, nothing. It had young kids in it playing his kids and they were fantastic. Like, great for publicity, that is a great way of getting people to actually watch your film. What's so strange is that you and I, and I think you brought it up. After, it may have been our discussion of Victoria, which is a film last year. It was one of my favourites of the year. Um... We discussed how long it will be until someone attempts to do this live. Yeah, not realising then that it was it, it, not long is the answer, you know. And you can get it on iTunes now to watch the film. Now I don't know how satisfying it will be just to sit down and watch it because, of course, compared to a proper feature, it's slightly shonky round the edges. There's a full soundtrack and stuff like they brought in music and things. There was one slightly dodgy moment where. Um, Willie Nelson's song uh, segues from being pre-recorded to him playing live as they reveal he's there in the room, yeah. and and it wasn't quite there. But yeah. it, it, that just adds to its charm. It goes, they did it. They actually did. This. It must be nice making a film and thinking, oh no, we've got to work on the edit and sound for a year. Yeah, yeah. Just finish it. That's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's part of the promise that we're now done. That's it. So who knows? Maybe for the. Uh, release on iTunes and stuff they cleaned up a bit of it like took out the mic pops and things I don't know I've not seen that yeah. but no it was a genuinely fun thing to have bothered going to and to have been part of because... was there much travelling because in Victoria one of the part of the charm of it rather than because a lot of films are based on plays yes and you know when you go and see a film it's been a play and it feels really they just change location for no real reason and carry on the conversation or they there's not enough outside location well I, not it? to not to spoiler it but the events are out there because they happened Woody Harrelson ended up getting into trouble for vandalising a taxi because he accidentally pulled the um, ashtray out of the door thinking it was the door release and he got arrested for it even though you're not allowed to smoke in taxis, so it's a useless piece of shit. Yeah. But the taxi driver was a prick. And yeah. so and he had to get to, um, uh, because of this whole problem with his, his wife and he didn't have time to apologise to her and, and to explain and to everything else, he was supposed to meet her at 7.30 the following morning on the set of Harry Potter to, uh, to uh, be there for his kids and, you know, do all of this. And so that's what's at stake. Um, I won't spoiler it for you, but uh, there is a talking head as the very last thing from Daniel Radcliffe oh, really? <laughs> telling you telling you the truth of what happened. Wow! So no, it was it's it's fun, you know, it's fun. And Woody Harrelson, you you forget he started in in comedy because he can do it, but he can also do all of the serious stuff as well. Like this felt like Zombieland in that he's got a foot on either side of that. Yeah. And he, he's bloody good at both of them. But he's still great in Cheers, though, isn't he? He is, yeah. Um, so watch that on iTunes. I guess, yeah. Lost in London, but I was, I, I was genuinely going, sort of going. Ah, it might be a car crash, but at least I'll get to see it and talk about it on the show. Yeah, what a good experience. Yeah, yeah, but everyone's good in it, you know. And he's clearly just got his best mates to agree to stay up till 
four a.m. to be in his film with him. He sounds like he's got better mates than Mel Gibson. Probably, yeah, yeah. I mean, they. I mean, I. I'm. This is entirely guesswork, but Woody Harrelson, Owen Wilson, and uh, uh, what's his name, Willie Nelson, strike me as maybe pot smokers. Do you think? Do you think that might be what they do together? Yeah, man. (laughs) You think that might be the case? Yeah. Yeah. I hate that when I do. Anyone who smokes weed in a film starts laughing uncontrollably as if that is the experience of that is what do you find it to be just sullen silence no but everyone smoked weed it's it's never like that it's like the whole acid thing you suddenly oh there we go there's a a pink unicorn instantly flying around it's really strange the way the drugs are depicted wholly wholly inaccurately yes True. That's a different conversation. It is a different conversation. Uh, maybe for next week, when I will be discussing the film T2 Trainspotting. Ooh. <laughs> well, that's enough for this week. Uh, we'll be back. As I say, we'll discuss the Trainspotting sequel directed by Danny Boyle. And Marek will have, be, have seen one of your recommendations. Keep watching, watching the, the films. films. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.